Welcome back, people of Earth, once again to the CHGO Sky Podcast, the most dangerous podcast this side of Michigan Avenue. I'm Christopher Pennant, here with the man, the myth, and the legend, the legend, the legend, Stephen Garner. And as always, we want you to remember that the CHGO Sky Show is sponsored by DraftKings. Sign up for DraftKings, use that code CHGO, and get $20 added to your account instantly when you first bet. In addition to that, we're coming up to football season. I know it's a basketball podcast, but we're coming up to football season, and you have 48 hours, less than 48 hours. Every second I waste on this read is taking time away from you signing up for the CHGO Die Hard membership. That's $60 for 48 hours. That is a full $20 off of that CHGO Die Hard membership, and when you sign up, you get a free T-shirt. In addition to that, the deals keep coming. For the same amount of time right now, you go to the CHGO store at CHGO Locker and all t-shirts and hats, all t-shirts and hats, all t-shirts and every single hat in the store is just $24. Let's go. Man. Stock up. That's a deal if I ever heard. You got to get it, man. You got to get it. We're not wearing the shirts right now, but we've got them. They are durable. They are lightweight. They're the moisture wicking technology that you remember coming up when, when you were in, in high school and, and, and junior high. The stuff that just saved your life when you were like, man, I can't take this shirt off after I'm done playing. Don't even have to worry about that anymore. So check that out on CHGO. Get that diehard membership in the next 48 hours. Steven, we got ball to talk about. The Sky are in the midst of their playoff push, which it feels like they've been in the midst of that push for about a month and a half now. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens when the season is so dire as it has been. And tonight they have a chance to, if not take full control of their destiny back in their hands, at least put more pressure on the team above them. Los Angeles Sparks sitting in eighth place at 15 and 19 in the Chicago Sky, a game and a half back at 14 and 21, and they take on the Sparks at 9.30 tonight at the arena formerly known as the Staples Center. It can't get any bigger than this for this team that's been so up and down, had so much uh, tribulation thrown their way. And, uh, I mean, we're going to go in depth, but the first thing that jumps out to me, no Atlanta Smith tonight in concussion protocol. How does that change up the Sky's, not only their lineup decisions, but how they attack and defend Los Angeles? Well, that takes the best rebounder on the team off the table, firstly. And obviously, in uh, for a team that plays plays games at a uh, relatively close uh, point differential per usual, uh, <laughs> more often than not, uh, those rebounds and those extra efforts that she gives that nobody else on her team can really replicate, you got to have a collective pitching pitching in and chipping in from everybody on the roster that's getting minutes. Against a team that's going to, especially without Atlanta Smith, have the advantage size-wise, especially in the paint. So having all five or at least four of the five players crashing the glass, saying whoever it is that's contesting the shot, is going to be extremely important. And not just crashing the glass, but putting a body on somebody, whether you're sandwiching, Neko Gumake or Dierka Hamby or Azrae Stevens or everybody's checking out one specific player is going to be crucial to not enable them extra opportunities and also in turn earn yourself at least four or five of those to put up second chance points with. I think that's where my mind goes first with the uh, with the loss of Atlanta, which is definitely uh, for anybody that watches the show consistently and follows us knows that that's a tough loss. Yeah, she had three offensive rebounds in the first quarter against Seattle. 
Um, I think she finished with either three or, or six total rebounds on the night, but we've seen time and again over the last month of play that her and Elizabeth Williams, we've talked about the way they work in the front court, but their ability and their um, attunement, just affinity for crashing the glass, especially at the offensive end, mm-hmm. has not only kept the sky in games uh, recently, but it's put them in the win column when they, especially wins have been hard to come by, two and six in their last eight. On the flip side, the Sparks are, I think, I've uh, won eight of their last 10, six of their last eight. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. Where's that coming from, from a team that has been so decimated by injuries uh, like the Sparks have been um, and just really kind of searching for answers until the last eight games on their schedule? Uh, first things first is they, I think like we mentioned in the last podcast from last week that the Sparks are a team that was, if any team was more injured than the Sky this season, it was them. And, I mean, they still haven't come back fully in tow with uh, Lexi Brown still working her way back, which we wish her nothing but the best. For sure. Not just as a former Sky player, but for everything she's had going on. Mm-hmm. So um, she's still, I guess, kind of day-to-day at this point, but it's kind of lingering on. So she's still – she's their best shooter. She's a movement shooter. She does stuff with the ball in her hands, off the ball, and she's a great defender at the um, on the perimeter. So they're still missing one of their key cogs, and they're still doing what they're doing now. So I think it's health because they got Clarendon back, and they just brought so much energy, activity, defense, uh, connecting on offense, scoring, like playmaking, anything you could ask. They brought that and then some. So the fact that they got that specific piece back has really helped to connect everything else. And then their defense, they have the second best uh, pick and roll defense in the W behind nobody else uh, other than the Las Vegas Aces. And really in this stretch, they've had the best defense in terms of uh, just taking away anything that the offense likes to do primarily or secondary. So you're going to tertiary options and you're operating off script consistently. And they're flipping those into turnovers as well, which is another issue for this guy that we've Man, seen. So yeah. a lot of their, uh, a lot of the sky's shortcomings are things that the Sparks have been feasting on specifically in this stretch of game. So it's a perfect time to see, I mean, who's, who's best suited for that last playoff spot at the moment. For sure. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. Those are things that the Sky have had troubles with pretty much most of the season going to plan B, plan C in their half-court offense and uh, limiting turnovers. They were able to do so against the Aces a couple of weeks, uh, a, a couple of games ago, took that game down to the wire. So, I mean, we've seen some really good things from the Sky over their last three. They've scored over 90 points every time out, whereas in that five-game losing streak, they never bro- – I think they broke 80 once. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about offense, but it's going to have to be on display against the Sparks tonight. I want to talk to you more about Lasia Clarendon. Uh, going back to the Sky's championship run in 2021, she, uh, they were a key piece in that game against Minnesota. Um, when he went out, you could just see nobody could get the ball to Sylvia Fowles con- uh, consistently. And that was the game that I thought the Sky were going to lose, where they, they weren't going to be able to make it to the round of three, or the, the semifinals, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then Laisha Clarendon going out changed the whole complexity of that game. We talked a lot about Jordan Canada and how she's improved her game as a scorer and even in some ways as a facilitator while still remaining and refining her defense. But Special. can you just go in more about Laisha Clarendon, what dynamic uh, they bring to that Los Angeles offense and defense? Uh, you mentioned their ability to connect. It's that ability to switch. So something that the Sparks have been doing a lot lately, which is not uh, foreign to anybody that knows Kerr Miller, 
is in their defense, they are aggressive with their front court pieces, being the Erica Hanby, Azra Stevens, and Neko Gumake. And all three of those pieces are not just able to be aggressive, but they're also able to be active with their hands in terms of presentation, taking away passing angles, and getting deflections, not unlike Elizabeth Williams and Atlanta Smith. And if you want to look like last season, Candace Parker, Emma Meesman, and mm-hmm. Azra herself were great at that. And then, <laughs> in addition to all of that, they're also able to switch flat out and just completely send the offense off script because Clarendon cannot just guard guards and wings, but she can. They can hold their positioning against front court or yeah, front court pieces, opposing front court pieces, getting to the legs, three fourths, and take away a passing angle or completely front the post in denial, and then another front court piece will be there to help out if a pass does go over the top. And they're just so connected that they're able to keep opposing offenses from getting into an advantage that might be that might be presented off of stature or off of um, size and just the fact that they are able to be so consistently on time and even early with rotations on defense and then on offense like you mentioned being able to uh, make those passes to the post which is a skill that has really died in all of basketball <laughs> but they excel at doing just that and being able to make all other types of passes and also score not just in the opportune way, but even able to dictate at times. I mean, we're talking like they're an MVP, but really in this little stretch of games, they've had the type of impact that an MVP would. The teams look like night and day from when before they return to after they return, you know? Yeah, Laser Clarendon wasn't out when this guy had that that back to back in the weekend, um, when James Wade left after before James Wade left the team. Mm-hmm. And you saw it on display. The, they were able to win both games, and they were able to really pressure the Sparks in ways that they you could tell that they could not get into the flow of their offense. N- Neka Agumake had a Neka Agumake game, I think, both times out, but really nobody else was able to get significantly involved offensively the way that we expected. And I think it's important to not only have Jordan Canada, but I said in preseason that Kurt Miller's first priority was, was should have been to keep Brittany, um, Brittany Sykes. Mm. And they let her go to, to Washington, mm-hmm. but they finally found a piece that can at least duplicate some of the things that Brittany Sykes can do for you. Because, Kurt, like you said, Kurt Miller's calling card is first and foremost going to be defensive. Yep, correct. And, I mean, I don't know how Jordan Canada – Slip through the cracks, especially with Seattle losing Sue Bird. Like, that, that's none of my business, but that still just makes no sense at the same time. So, for for Kurt to come up, literally come up on Jordan Canada and the capacity that he has, and also have Jasmine Thomas travel from across the country yep. to tap in with him again as well and be um, kind of the medium between Kurt and Jordan in communication, but also having that on court and that um, – just a familiarity with his system on both sides of the floor, having a younger version essentially of herself that's just ultra active and just hard to match up with. And Jordan is, it's been fun. And she's had such a fun, fun, fun season. Uh, we were talking about MIP candidates last week. Yeah. I only brought up Satu just because I feel like Satu is going to ultimately run away with it. But if I was to make a three player list, it would be in no specific order, it would be Satu, Jordan, and Atlanta. And Jordan is, like I mentioned last week, the recipient of an expanded role and opportunity and just not just running away with it, but also growing. She's just been so much better with her processing of uh, how to play make, how to use her dynamic. She's a lot like Dana in a sense in terms of having that 
um, unabashed downhill threat and how she can figure out how to manipulate that and also start sprinkling in more jump shots in addition to the playmaking and then the defense just stepping up even more. I think Dana and um, Jordan are like kind of like carbon copies of each other in a sense, especially with the pace and the activity that they play with. And yeah, Jordan is just relishing in the opportunity she's been uh, blessed with with LA, and she's really, really running away with that role. And then some. Glad you brought up Dana Evans. That brings us to the Dana Evans part <laughs> of the show. As you all, as you all know, part this two. is the Dana Evans show presented by CHGO Sports, <laughs> at least for about 10 minutes out of it. But no, seriously, Dana has really turned a corner this last couple of weeks. You know, I don't know. It's funny, a pun, turning a corner. No, That's no, I know. You're right. Every time getting, she has the ball. Getting those drives and coming around the corner, getting to the lane. But we're, we're able to see it. It's not just um, in the drive. She's hitting that three-point shot with regularity. She was plus 14 in both of the sky's wins over the storm. And in her last five games, she has, she's shooting the rock. She's getting the ball up there. Has no less than six uh, field goal attempts in, in each game and has scored in double figures in three of those last five. Mm-hmm. We're talking about not just Dana Evans versus Jordan Canada, but the sky's bench scoring. And we were saying that that bench scoring needed to come from somewhere, and it presumably had to be Dana um, because you can't – you don't want to put that onus on Robin Parks her first season, her first, like, extended time in the WNBA – What's looked different for Dana these last couple of games? Well, she's been really dictating the teams to the extent to which she's starting to see more aggressive coverages. Like earlier in the season, teams were conceding and drop covers to her, obviously to keep her away from getting into the paint, but to also keep stress off of keeping her defensive shell intact. The fact that she's been taking that space that's created by that coverage to the end, really just dictating with it with the pass and with her scoring Teams have had to step up closer to the level of the screen, which is forcing the, the rest of their defense to go into rotation. And Dana's been in read and react just in the most appropriate way with whatever um, scenario or situation is presented to her. She's not forcing anything. She's taking what they're giving and putting her foot on the gas in response to that, whether that be with her skipping a pass to Robin Parks after she uh, rejects a screen and gets into the paint like she did against Seattle or uh, against Vegas when she starts getting two to the ball, hitting the short roll and allowing for Elizabeth Williams to make plays or get downhill and score for herself. And just keeping, setting an advantage with herself and then playing off of the advantage, whether that be with the pass or to score for herself. And she's just been extremely, extremely great and giving this guy more than they can even ask for from her off the, uh, off the bench to the point that where she's been spending a little bit more time with the starters as well. Uh, if you look at the last game against Seattle, she's, she, of course, closed that game partly because Atlanta was injured, but also because of the spark that she was bringing. And we can kind of get to a little bit of later because they ended up having to close with small ball, putting Kalia at the four. But a lot of that being enabled to do so and do so effectively with that lineup being plus eight against Seattle or yeah, against Seattle was because Dana was just ever present. Yeah, only six turnovers in the last five, too. So you're talking about being confident and confident with The Rock making those passes. If you haven't seen that pass that she made on the run to Robin Parks, you got to go check that out. It's not – I can't call it an all-timer because we're starting to expect Danny to make that pass, but it's still something that you have to sit and marvel at, not only the vision, but the ability to make that pass to the corner accurately for a team that we've talked about has so much live ball turnover trouble – and has really been trying to find a distributor other than Courtney Williams that they can go to reliably, especially if you have those lineups when you want the option to be Courtney or Ka or Marina, 
to get the ball in their hands and make plays. You want to have somebody who can distribute the ball and still be a good safety valve. And it looks like they found it. And talking about the bench scoring in that game against Las Vegas, that, man, it was there. It looked like it was – you can't you can't blame the team for not winning that one, even if it's at home because it's Las Vegas. But the Aces, as we've seen over the last few, it looks like some of the fatigue is catching up with them. And the Sky led that game for a long time. In total, they outscored Las Vegas' bench 18-10. Uh, to 10. Ruthie Hebert had six off the bench. Dana had eight, and Robin Parks had a couple buckets as well. And that's an area where, with the Sky's remaining schedule off, we could bring that up. They have to be able to exploit as much as possible, not just against Los Angeles tonight. Um, the Liberty are, are in form. So that one's going to be, uh, hopefully, it's a primetime afternoon game, and the Sky have a long rest between uh, tonight and next Sunday. So you want them to come out with their best, and they beat New York once this year. But that's going to be a tough one the way New York is playing right now. But against Indiana, Minnesota, and even Connecticut, the last game of the season, uh, the Sun have staked themselves to a playoff spot. Seeding will be in the air, up in the air for them. But you got to have your bench scoring be at its best these last five games of the year. Yeah, and if you kind of look past these last the last five, which are up on the screen now, and you consider the last two with Seattle and the Aces, um, that's three games against the top three teams in the W in your last seven. And if you add Minnesota to that mix, that's another playoff team. You add the Sparks presently, that's another playoff team. You know, so it's there's and then obviously Connecticut. You know, it's there's a lot going on with that with that schedule, and there's no easy way out. You gotta earn it if you if you really want it. So it's gonna be tough, but um, I think that Aces game is kind of a microcosm of a lot of what we've seen from this guy this season, where they have multiple stretches across multiple quarters where they're doing the thing that they need to do, taking care of the ball, playing defense, rebounding, getting to the free throw line. And then in the fourth quarter, that's where we start to see things kind of fizzle out some. It's like they kind of ran out of gas, where you have to find a way to sustain that. And you have to play four complete quarters against these teams that we just talked about down this last home stretch, not to just get to where you want to be, but just to even in a more um, present manner, just to win those games individually. You won't be able to beat the Sparks team tonight without playing four complete quarters, not just because you're on the road, but also because that team is well coached. They have a lot of players on that team that are veterans, and they're also still the hottest team in the W at the moment. So you, they, you, if you can't put together four complete quarters, you're probably not going to win this game. They put together almost four complete quarters on Sunday against the um, against the uh, the storm, but that's like those lapses early on, where you have to play from behind in the fourth quarter, is not going to get it done against the Sparks. Yeah, no doubt. You got to get off to a fast start tonight. Um, it's even in even in that game against the storm, they broke the twenty point mark in each quarter, and they were remarkably consistent. Twenty three in the first two, and then twenty two in the last two, and were able to pull it out by holding the Storm to 10 points in the fourth frame. Mm-hmm. But you you really want to see him get out to a fast start. Interesting wrinkle here. If the Sky win tonight, they win the season series 3-1. to one. That's cut and dried. So if you go into the end of the season tied at whatever record, then the Sky would, would get the eighth spot. If Los Angeles wins tonight, the season series would be tied 2-2. Two to two. Mm-hmm. Both teams' record in the second tiebreaker criteria – what uh, against teams over 500 or better. If the season ended today, both the Sky and the Sparks are 4-8 and eight 
against teams over 500, which is a statement about the parity in the league this year. So many teams under or just under 500. That I mean, the Dreams losing streak, um, Dallas kind of faltering somewhat, um, and we know Minnesota, they'll – They'll just find a way to get into the playoffs. I'm not going to talk about the Lynx that much today. I'm not we'll see them. It. We'll see them again soon. <laughs> uh, but it would come down to point differential in those head-to-head games, and that's net points scored versus points allowed, which right now the Sky are leading by 10. So obviously if you win tonight, all of that other stuff is moot. But if you lose, you have to you – know, this is going into real deep science. This is more of like a, a soccer thing when it comes up. When you're coming about talking about differential, mm-hmm. but you have to find a way to to lose by single digits if you're going to lose. But obviously, anybody out there watching wants a sky win tonight. I know, of course, and it's it's tough to have to crunch numbers to this extent at this point in the season. You would rather just go and play, but it's kind of it's kind of just going to be a part of the equation, you know, determining whether they make the playoffs or not. So it's best in this situation, as with any situation, to just control what you can control. What you can't control is doing the little things that you know you need to do in the formula for you to win games tonight. More than any other game, you got to focus on tonight and then get to the next one on Sunday and then get to the next one after that. But it's got to be in single file order, focusing on the task at hand. And they got a big task tonight against the hottest team, one of the most active teams, a team that plays a lot like them um, in the Sparks. So... What's an area that this guy can exploit if there is um, a, a place that they can go to kind of put, put Los Angeles back on their heels? Spacing. Spacing, 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 spacing. Atlanta brings a lot of spacing. She's one of, when she's hot, she's one of their more integral pieces because she's a front court piece that can shoot, mm-hmm. which ultimately is what really helps to compromise the defense and put them in conflict consistently. So with her not being on the table, like we mentioned, they will have to play more small ball. I'm curious if um, Emre will go with uh, with Robin as he did in the second half, um, or if he'll go with um, with Morgan. I was just and to try to keep Robin's um, scoring prowess um, optimized off the bench. Like I'm, I'm curious where he goes with that, and ultimately who plays more minutes uh, over the course of the game at that four position. Um, but spacing is it. And when you're having the downsize, naturally you're going to be able to space it better. So if they're playing with that activity, whether it's switching or even more so if it's aggressive coverage and pick and roll defense, whoever it is that has the ball that's drawing two to them has to get off of it quick. And that person who's the recipient of the first pass has to play with quick. They call it 0.5. Playing a quick decision-making, whether that's to catch and drive, catch and shoot, or catch and pass to the next advantage. And if they can play with that type of pace in the half court, again, it's tough because of the presentation that the Sparks can give. With, uh, like I mentioned, De'Erica, Azaray, and um, Neca, the size and the athleticism and activity they have. If you can pass around that and get into different actions like slips, hitting the short roll, which Elizabeth has excelled at, like we've been talking about since um, the post-All-Star break stretch, getting into those dynamics, but all within the spacing at the preset of your action on offense is going to be really as imperative as anything. I think a great um, a great space to look at is that first half against the Aces. The Aces went to switching in the second half, which... Yeah, we talked about again, it. I know. Again, they go against switching, they have issues, and that's something the Sparks can do. But in that first half against the Aces, they were aggressive. They weren't switching. They were putting two to the ball. And the Sky were consistently getting out of that. Or if Dana was in, Dana was attacking that hedging defender getting around it and playing with the advantage with the live dribble and getting downhill. 
So if they get that coverage, they have to be playing off of it quick and have that same formula. We saw what they did in that first half. They were up about 14 or 15 yep. at halftime. Like, that's the space you want to be in. They were hitting all the right buttons, hitting the short roll, slipping out, getting some angle flips and getting into rejects and playing out of that, um, getting ball moving around the perimeter. All of those little things were popping in the first half against the Aces. They went to switching. It was a different story. But if they get the what's expected to be at least a little bit of aggressive coverage from the Sparks, they should – even if they saw that even again against the uh, Storm on Sunday. Got a lot of two to the ball, playing out the short roll, playing with the ball swinging around. So they've shown that they can process and beat that consistently. They just have to make sure they do it without turning the ball over. It's the switching part because, like I mentioned, the Sparks can do that as well. And that remains to be seen. We've talked about the variance and the things that they need to do in that context. But they get the aggressive coverage. They should be able to play off of their spacing from there. I was, I'm glad that you mentioned um, Morgan Birch and Robin Parks. I was thinking that as soon as you said, um, you know, who, who, where they were going to go in terms of the lineups and, and the rotations, because we've seen Robin Parks get a lot more of those minutes that were going to Morgan early in the season uh, because I think she's got a bit of a height uh, advantage that teams have to deal with. And we, we know that she can shoot the three ball and she's confident with that shot coming off the bench. Region Rev checking in with us, of course. Always glad to see you on. Says, let's go, Ruthie. Big game tonight. Where do you think Ruthie Hubbard figures in tonight? I know that she is an active um, rebounder. She can hit the short jump shot, and she's a good player having the post. But Neko Gumuke is Neko Gumuke. So how do you think that Ruthie figures in tonight? Well, Ruthie, uh, especially without Atlanta, is going to be integral even more because she's the only traditional frontcourt piece that's going to be in the rotation. So especially when E goes to rest, Ruthie has to be active, and she mentioned to me uh, a week or so ago pregame that one of the biggest things that she wants to bring to the floor, regardless of her production box score numbers-wise, is energy and activity. She feels like if she could have even the slightest bit of an impact in those two dynamics of the game in her six- to eight-minute stretches when she's in for E, she feels like she's done her job. And a natural product of that is going to come um, scoring opportunities just off of out-efforting whoever it is her matchup is, whether that be a rim run, whether that be an extra effort in pursuing the offensive rebound, you know, little things like that. So her being able to do those things, but defensively bring that physicality because the Sparks can get very physical in that front court. Yep. And Ruthie is with all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Ruthie might not be there in terms of all of her um, skill that made her the player that she was coming out of Oregon, right? Right. But the fact that she can still be as physical as she wants to be and bring that to the table with everything they're going to bring to the table uh, from the Sparks side is going to be important. Thinking about a play where I think it was Ezzy Magbagor was trying to navigate a flex screen, and Ruthie just slipped through and got a little bit of physicality uh, on the slip through and was able to completely take the take the action away. They had to go to something else. Got a bad shot, and she, I think she probably ended up getting a rebound on that possession. And that's just a microcosm of what she brings over the course of the game and her minutes that she's spending on the floor. That's one of my favorite plays. Um, you know, it's, you're not running flex screens on the playground necessarily, <laughs> but just breaking up the screen with a little elbow, just mm -hmm. like just below the sternum. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. Just you got to angle to where you know the ref can't see it. <laughs> it's all it's all up here. It's all up here. Get that little bump. And it's like, hey, man, yep. you can't fight through the screen. It's like mm -hmm. set a better screen. You know, <laughs> set a tougher it. screen. That's it. And nine times out of ten, it's a guard that's setting that screen. So the guard, more often than not, is not going to really want to set it, set it. So it's on the big to be able to navigate it. And if you're able to slip through, take away action, bleed away the shot clock, put pressure on the uh, opposition. And that's something that you mentioned earlier about the Sparks being able to put the sky into 
their plan C, their tertiary actions. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to the sky to match and excel at that game. Um, you know, you, you, you try to beat teams in a number of different ways. You try to exploit weaknesses. You try to um, you go against uh, your strengths, go for your strengths where you're strong and they aren't strong. But a lot of times, and in a game like this, uh, with a coach like Kurt Miller, a team that's in eighth, it will be really interesting to see if somehow the Sky could beat the Sparks at their own game. They don't really have necessarily the luxury of switching in the same way, in exactly the same way with the personnel that they, especially the personnel that they have available. Mm-hmm. But forcing the Sparks to go to their plan B, plan C, plan D, forcing them to go late in the shot clock where we know that the Sky have been successful over the season – and then saying, okay, we're going to have Jordan Canada out there, play good one-on-one defense, there's five seconds left. Jordan, if you can hit the shot, good on you. Otherwise, we're going to make you play for that last, last, last little bit. And going against the Kurt Miller team, I think it will be really interesting and a lot of fun to see this guy force them into playing 40 minutes total of solid end-to-end near-perfect basketball, which is something that the Sky themselves have struggled with. But... Season is pretty much on it tonight. It's about the season. This is for the marbles. You win this one, you're half a game back, and the that spark schedule is a little bit easier, but they don't have every game a cakewalk, a cakewalk anymore. They've got to play Connecticut. Uh, they've got to play, I think, the Aces one more time, uh, and mixed in with Seattle, and they've got um, a Washington team that's kind of up against it, but they've got, okay, they've got to play Connecticut and New York and their last three games are on the road. And so, got the Mystics in there too. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the Mystics are such in a, such a weird spot with, with the injuries that they've had, mm-hmm. but it's still a formidable team. Um, and, and Brittany Sparks knows that, knows Los Angeles. She knows how to play them even better than she knows how to play everybody else. Brit, Brittany Sykes, man. She knows defense. Bruh. She is insane. She is insane, man. Her impact on the game is it's ridiculous like you there the rdc world uh sketch that they had about how you had to stick steph curry like this dude's waking up mm-hmm. and he's like you already putting defense like britney she, sykes just her. does she that she just that. does that she lives that <laughs> literally <laughs> like you're coming off the bus she's like check ball check up let's go you're already in your face <laughs> breathing heavy touching you <laughs> all of that yeah she does she's a master of all the little stuff that weighs on you over the course of a game and keeps her in a position of advantage <laughs> so it'll be up to the sky to do that for the Sparks tonight. Greg Fortley says sky by 10 tonight. What you think? I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Um, the Sparks, for as, for as great as they've been playing, do not shoot the three ball well as a team. Mm. So if you can keep the ball out of the paint and force them to take catch and shoot opportunities, uh, there's a very big chance that you could potentially, um, potentially win this game by 10. Not just win, but win in grand fashion because – Nine times out of ten, they're not going to be shooting the ball that well. They're the worst uh, three-point shooting team in the W, and they take the I think the second least amount on that per per game average. So they don't shoot with efficiency, and they don't shoot it much on volume either. So if you can put them in those situations to where it's Clarendon taking threes, it's um, Canada taking threes. We love Azaria, but if Azaria is taking threes and settling instead of getting to the paint and using her height as an advantage, yeah. that's a major plus for the sky. So, like, keeping them in those positions to where they're taking catch and shoots or even mid-range shots, for that matter, that's something that the Sky can do. And they can get there with their switching more than anything. Uh, they've been switching a lot more over this um, last, like, five or seven games. So, it's possible. It's very much possible. 
The Bulls sound, or they sound like the Bulls to me. <laughs> you know what was funny was we had the same conversation with uh, Shout Out Big Dave. Yeah. He was asking about temperature on the sky, and I told him it was a lot of PTSD from this most recent yeah. Bulls season, whether it be the injuries, whether it be the ups and downs in play, whether it be the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, whether it be just the, over the course of a game, you get these pockets where it's there and then it's not, and then it's there again, and then it's, you know, it's a lot of similarities between the two teams. That's a great count. Greg says 91-81 sky wins. Greg, when the sky score at least 89 points, they have won. Uh, man, they, I think they've won 12 and lost three. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, two. They've won. They're 12 and two when they score at least 89. So, first of all, Greg, if you got that, one, let me know the lottery numbers. Two, you mm-hmm. might as well put a bet in for that exact score because you could, you could probably come up on that. That's it. Uh, but yeah, we'll look for that ninety-one, eighty-one game. I'll take that, and a ten-point win would clo- again close that season series out. And if the sky come to the end of the line tied with Los Angeles, then they would get that spot for eighth in the league and go to the playoffs. Let's take a quick break to pay some bills and talk about our guys at Shady Rays. Chicago, the heat wave is over, at least for the time yeah, being. For now. Yeah, I, right. I saw something about next week being over 100. Week. Oh, we're coming back up? Right. Yeah, back Man. in the 90s next week. Let's go, baby. <laughs> the city pools are still open, and you still got to look fly, whether you're going downstate, whether you're going down 71st, whether you're going down Randolph, <laughs> you got to look good. And Shady Rays will have you looking sharp. They are the best sunglasses for your money that you can get this side of blue blockers, and Ray-Bans back in the day, Shady Rays beats them all out. You want to be looking like Michael Knight, you'll do it. You want to be looking like Hasselhoff and Baywatch, you'll be doing it. You want to look like some other character that is uh, from a TV show that none of you have heard of because I'm old, you will do that. And you can do that with Shady Rays. Plus, if you break them, we're not doing any Pottery Barn stuff here. It's no break. If you break it, you bought it. If you break your sunglasses, if you lose them, if Bigfoot steps on them, if they get rolled over by the number nine bus, send them back to Shady Rays and they will send you another pair free of charge. There is a guarantee that you will get those same shades back even if they get damaged. Plus, they are helping multiple sclerosis sufferers and patients throughout the country, throughout the world, with every purchase of Shady Ray sunglasses. And that CHGO deal is still active. If you use the code CHGO, you will get 50% off your first two pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses. You see them on the screen. Lawrence is so cool, he's wearing a pair in the studio right now. Uh, You can't see it, but he's wearing them. He's got them on. Because the lights are too bright in here and he needs to keep it cool with y'all. So please, purchase those Shady Rays sunglasses again. Use that code CHGO and get 50% off your first two pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. It's, it, you can't beat it. You absolutely can't beat it. Speaking of not being able to beat it, next Sunday, the Sky are on prime time. And if I am not mistaken, that game is that is that game local or are they in New York for that one? Uh, it is in New York. Okay. Oh, no, my bad. I'm actually, actually it's here. It's no, okay, perfect, perfect. Excuse me. So I know everybody in Chicago, not just Sky fans, everybody in Chicago wants to see Courtney Vandersloot one more time this year. And if you don't know, if you didn't know, if you hadn't gotten tickets yet, that one might sell out because you got Brianna Stewart, you got John Quell Jones representing for the Caribbean folks. But, so 
You're going to have to go to game time to get those tickets. They've got the best and last minute deals. They show you the exact view from your seat. If you want to go from section 215 down to 115, sit next to our guy, Eric Nemchak, say hi to Lori Lightfoot. Now that she's just, you know, doing retirement stuff and just back being a sky season ticket holder. Oh, Dwayne Wade might be in there. You can ask him, um, you know, why he didn't come to the Bulls sooner. Something, you know, before the twilight of his career. Don't ask him about that. Don't ask him about that. Ask him when ask him when Gabrielle's next movie is going to be in and why she hasn't gotten him a cameo in that. But you can do that with Game Time. $20 off your first purchase if you use that code CHGO. If you don't remember the code, it's all over the place, all over this show, all over all the shows on the CHGO Sports Network, All City Network. Use that code CHGO again, and you will get $20 off your first ticket purchase with Game Time. And it's not just about the sky. Football season's heating up. You can get Bears tickets. The Cubs are coming in to the wire for their for their um, playoff push. You can get Cubs tickets. If you want to see the ghost remnants of the Chicago White Sox, you can do that too on, <laughs> on game time. Red Stars, the Chicago Fire, anybody in Chicago. If you want to go see comedy at, at the Chicago Theater, game time. It's all there at your fingertips. Game time, the best deals, absolutely guaranteed, bar none. And again, use that code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Greg, man, appreciate you coming on, Greg. We got Greg Fortley in the chat. What do you think the three biggest key factors into the sky coming away with the win tonight? I mean, we talked about a lot of them already, uh, making sure that you limit the live ball turnovers and negate the defense that um, Los Angeles is going to throw at you. And you know with Kurt Miller teams, they're going to throw a lot of different coverages. Uh, We talked about the bench scoring and um, I think Ruthie as well being in more in the lineup and getting some more touches and having to defend NECA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we haven't really talked about our starting guards, though. Courtney and Khan Marina. So yep. I think that's the third factor. What's the what's it going to look like for them tonight? Uh, they All three of those players had very solid games against the Aces last week in mm-hmm. that first half. That's, again, that's the template. They need all three of those pieces to be scoring and facilitating in a solid blend to where it's not just heavily dependent on one of those three. It is all three moving on the same accord, in addition to Dana bringing her punch off the bench when she comes into the mix as well. And I also think uh, an external factor outside of those that we mentioned will also be just the efficiency and effectiveness of their small ball lineups. Um, I'm curious how often Emre does go to the Dana, Marina, Courtney, Kai, and uh, Elizabeth Williams five-player five lineup. Uh, obviously is one we haven't seen that frequently, but like I mentioned earlier in the pod, they were plus eight. And a lot of that plus eight came in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter when they had to make the comeback um, to win that game against the Storm. I'm curious how much we see of that lineup against a team that likes to go big, the way that the um, the Sparks typically play. Uh, that'll be an interesting clash in um, approaches to the game lineup-wise, uh, matchup for matchup. Um and for the sky to win those those minutes, they got to be disruptive defensively yeah. and playing in transition. That's where a lot of the the comeback against the storm came from. I think the storm had like maybe two live ball turnovers at halftime on on Sunday, and that ballooned to like ten in the second half. And again, a lot of that came when the small ball lineup was imposed on their um, their fourth quarter um, onslaught. So seeing if they can replicate that against a new a new team that's better um, that's better built has more dynamics that they have to go up against, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun clash of basketball philosophies. This is the season tonight, but I do want to look ahead to the game against the Liberty on Sunday afternoon. 
Uh, Liberty coming away with a gigantic win against Las Vegas uh, yesterday night. They won the Commissioner's Cup in somewhat surprising fashion. I think all of us really picked. Oh, yeah. No, um, I said uh, I said they were going to win by double digits, right? Isn't that what I said? I know. And I saw that. And it <laughs> happened. And not only that, the very rare Aces lead at halftime, Liberty lead at the end of the game bet came up, um, which yeah. I, I looked at for a split second and was like, I mean, this is this is like plus five thousand for a reason. I'm not going to bet it, and uh, yeah, that was dumb. So, oh, like the Liberty have turned the corner. My guy James K bought my my New York Liberty stock back in July, so he is uh, a millionaire at the moment. But I think the interesting thing I saw a headline in the next that the Aces were able to limit John Quell Jones, and New York won anyway, and they they won fairly convincingly. What what has changed for New York since um, they were ten and I think they were ten and four and lost to the after they lost to the Aces in at the end of June and they're eighteen and three since then. What's what's changed? Defense, defense, defense. They have figured out what defensive coverages work best for the the lineups that they like to use, and that's been switching. We talked about <laughs> switching, man. It's switching the name of the game, of the right? Games of the season, both for the sky and against the sky, um, and for the Liberty, particularly having John Quill Jones and Brianna Stewart that are able to take away mismatches that come with your switching one through five, and being able to clean up messes and make great decisions as a team, whether it be in help or whether it be in switching or whether it be. Just in general, sticking um, sticking in front of whoever your matchup is. They've just been doing a great job with that. Sabrina Inescu's been better in that stretch after that game against the Aces, like you mentioned, than she was defensively prior to that. Mm. And I think more than anything um, external from schemes, just her ability to be better defensively individually helps to keep their shell intact, keeps them out of rotation a little bit, um, at least a little bit less than they were prior to that game. And they've just been more solid in terms of um, that, plus building their continuity. And um, their offense has continued to evolve. They're getting into the little things that work best for them. A lot of Spain pick and roll. Some of their actions look similar to what the Sky ran last season with Courtney Van Der Sloot in rotation. Um, Brianna Stewart is Brianna Stewart. <laughs> John Quill Jones on the offensive rebounds, not unlike Atlanta Smith, has had a big impact for them. Um, and Benajah Laney. Najalani knocking down corner threes, playmaking at times, defending a lot, uh, more than a lot. And then the last thing for me, um, Marine Johannes is who typically would be expected to be their sixth player. Right. Kayla Thornton has been their best player off the bench this year. Wow. I mentioned when they picked her up in the trade that she felt like a throw in. And I was like looking at the roster, I'm like, there's going to be a lot of impact for her to make on this roster. Whether Hanzu plays or not, whether Steph Dawson's minutes uptake because Hanzu does play or not, Kayla's going to have an impact. And we've seen it in multiple games over the course of this season against the Aces and against other teams where KT comes in and she's just mucking up everything defensively. Then coming down court, hitting the three, making the extra pass, setting the solid screen so Sabrina can get off into one of her one dribble pull-ups from deep. There's a lot going on <laughs> in New York, man, and it's all clicking at the right time. Definitely at the right time. They got a chance to catch Las Vegas for that number one spot. For the, I mispronounced that. For that number one spot. <laughs> they Shout mispronounced that. <laughs> the, the Oak Park River Forest. 
near graduate before he moved down south. Um, there's 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 still a yearbook photo in there with Christopher Bridges. If anybody can get a hold of that OPRF yearbook from the early '90s, man. <laughs> But yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Brianna Stewart herself, who we talked about as a potential MVP and DPOY, said that um, Benajah Laney should be in there for the defensive player of the year. And we we talked about the ability that she brings, both in terms of size, strength, and skill defensively, but also when you can go with her offensively and play her at, at the three or at the four sometimes in lineups, it does take pressure off Sabrina Ionescu and it allows both her and Brianna Stewart to play that rover kind of safety role, which is so dangerous when you have two players like that who can not only deflect the ball and get steals, but then can immediately bring the ball up on the fast break. Yep. And it's that activity like you just like you just zoomed in on that really that really changes things for for New York. And I think the Benaja the Benaja dynamic has been it's been ever present for for them. Um, she's playing the role of um, Rebecca Gardner for them, helping their uh, helping their guards take the um, in order taking that second or third option in yeah. terms of the guards instead of having Sloot have to try and guard, let's say Chelsea Gray, or um, if they're going against the sky, having to take on Kalia Copper like. You know, she's able to take all of that and not just take on that matchup as a stopgap, but also be effective in doing so. And, I mean, you can look at last night's game against the Aces. She's guarding Chelsea Gray. She's guarding Kelsey Plum. She's guarding Jackie Young if they end up switching and she has to get to a different matchup by the end of a possession. And she's doing it all with the production coming on the offensive end as well. So, shout out, shout out Benaja, another Ruggers product. Man, see Vivian. Yeah, had a lot of good players come through mm-hmm. there, and I mean, it was like, you know, they went there because they wanted to play for her. But looking at what Kaz done and, yep. and Benaja and Laney have done in this in this um, in this league now, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things develop as we kind of move towards a perimeter uh, focused offenses, and and then as as a circumstance, perimeter oriented defenses as well, because I, I've said it. In the past, I haven't said it on the show yet, really, but I think there's a lot of room, and with the players that are coming in out of college, there's going to be a lot of room for a two-guard to win MVP, for a small forward that really started out as a two-guard to win MVP. Um, I think it's coming. I think it's coming really soon. Even though we're talking about three post players who are primed for that most valuable player matchup um, as as the voting comes through, I think there's going to be guards who are getting those most valuable player wins um, in the next five, six years. I mean, Jewel Lloyd is about to break the season, single season scoring record. Shout out Jewel. And she's probably going to, you know, just by circumstance of, of Seattle being, you know, basura this year, she's going to finish like fifth or sixth. She should get MVP votes, which I said at the beginning of the year, but she's not going to win just because they haven't done as well. But you know if Jewel can do it, there's other players who are coming in who have that opportunity, or are going to have that opportunity, I should say, to, to win most valuable player as guards. Yep. She, she, they'll have opportunity to, but um, the fact that Asia is still not <laughs> at her peak quite yet, <laughs> Stewie, I mean, she probably even has a half step more that she can take, Well, there's just a slight uptick in efficiency, which puts her at 25 points a game or something like that. Like, <laughs> 
And then obviously Aaliyah Boston, she hasn't even scratched the surface of what she's going to ultimately be. So it's going to be a lot of push and tug, but I think on volume, like you're saying, there's going to be a, a lot more guards coming in that will ultimately have more say so in that best player or that that um what part of the court on offense is going to be having more of a lion's share of the MVP votes. Uh, and it's going to be fun to see that evolution and how it changes um, schematically and tactically, how coaches have to approach games, what skills are going to be more valued offensively and even more so defensively because if you can't stop somebody, you can't win. So it's going to be fun seeing how those pieces marry together and make the women's side of basketball an evolved version, uh, play with more pace and just be – even more fun to consume and even more fun to zoom in on if you like to look at the intricacies. Oh, yeah. And I, this is a, this is the intricacy show. This is where we <laughs> like to break it all the way down. We like to take the large picture, but we like to break it all the way down. Coming to our last segment of the show, Greg, you had a good question out there. Uh, what has been your favorite part about the season overall? And away from the basketball side, it's been what they've been doing marketing-wise – um, with Pride Night, with I love Camp Day. Camp Day is its own thing, but I love that the way that they've they've marketed things this year. And um, you saw some recent uh, player focused, um, not not ads, little um, videos. The the mental health one that Marina Mabry did, and now we've got Superhero Night coming, I believe, uh, next Sunday. And there was a a really good. They had a couple good clips from players. Uh, about that, like who, you know, which superhero would you be? Um, Dana Evans said she would be Black Panther, not just because, you know, it's Black Panther, but because he's a leader and a protector, which I was like, that's real cool, especially in it relates to Dana's role this season. Um, Courtney Williams said she would be Iron Iron Woman because he has a lot of outfits. We got this video up here. Let's, let's take a look, man. What Marvel superhero am I? The Marvel superhero that I would be would be Black Panther, and because Black Panther is more known for being a leader of everybody and just being a protector. I'm gonna say I'm Iron Man, <laughs> Iron Woman, because um, <laughs> I feel like he has so many different like suits, and I like that because I be having so many different fits. The <laughs> uh, Marvel superhero I am is the Hulk because he is big and strong and athletic, and that's how I block shots. The Marvel superhero that I would be is Spider-Man, and I think it's because I've got uh, really, really good spider senses. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's Marvel Superhero Day, specifically Marvel Superhero Day. On September 3rd, which means no DC fans allowed. So, you know, sorry, about that. sorry about that. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, y'all. No, no Batman stands. DC, you stay at home. Um, I like the, I like what um, I like what Courtney said about Iron Man. I think Elizabeth is only wrong because the Hulk is not stoic, and Elizabeth is extra stoic. That's true. <laughs> so she's she's not, very emotional, right? She's she's <laughs> like Gray Hulk, maybe, but Gray Hulk mm. talks a lot, and Elizabeth's just like. I blocked your shot. Go get the ball. It's like Ari Spears doing Shaq back oh in the my day. Goodness. Oh man! <laughs> wow. So we got. We'll ask you out there in the chat, but Steven, man, who, which superhero would you be if you had the chance? I'm real big on leadership, 
uh, whether that be in a business context, whether that be in a team construct, sports wise or non sports wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say Captain America. Oh, okay. Uh, I like the the challenges that come with being a leader in any capacity, and the accountability that comes with it, and leading troops and getting the most out of people and putting people in positions to reach whatever your goal is, short term and long term. So for me, it would be Captain America. Captain America, that's a tough one, man. That's a lot to live up to. Um, as we've seen, but you're absolutely right. He he was a good leader because he didn't want to, he wanted to bring people back. I think the whole idea was that of him wanting to go to World War II was saying, it's like, I don't like people picking on, picking on other people, people picking on the little guy. I want to be there to bring people home. And especially once he got the, I mean, he, he let them, put him in that variety show for however long because he said it was helping he was helping the cause mm-hmm. in some way and then he only went when his when his best friend was in trouble and then he wanted to come back home i i would say spider-man just because i've always been a, a fan of spider-man but which which spider-man let's it, be specific now. i came up with peter uh, and i like miles i like miles a lot um i think his uh, invisibility is a new wrinkle that is super dope and Miles has his own style with the Jordan ones, Facts. the black spider suit, culture, the jacket. Yeah, that's like he's a cultural. I mean, you could you could already tell he's a cultural icon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I came up with Peter Parker. Um, I will say that that brooding is, uh, is a good factor for me. I, I always imagine sitting on top of the was it sitting on top of the, the Empire State Building or the Chrysler mm-hmm. Building, just looking out over New York like. Mm-hmm. Why is J. Jonah Jameson printing another headline about me, man? Like, <laughs> so I identified a lot with that, but just that that swinging through the skyscrapers, mm-hmm. um, and I was, I was this is a true story. When I was in Boy Scouts, the first some the first summer I was there in Michigan, um, I got a bunch of bites and everybody. I was like, oh, this is mosquito bites. This is weird. And they were like, no, it's a spider bite. Cause it's like spiders will walk up your arm and then they'll bite and then they'll walk and they'll bite. And so I had a bunch of bites in a row and I was for a second, I was like, man, am I about to, am I about to turn into Spider-Man, bro? I was, I was hype. I was hype. So it would definitely be Spider-Man. Uh, check that out, man. Sunday, September 3rd, primetime game, afternoon game, um, should be on the ABC. It should be on ABC. If not ABC, then ESPN, but that will be the last opportunity for you to see Sky Legend Courtney Vandersloot in person in Chicago. This has been the CHGO Sky Show. Lawrence, hold on, I, I, Lawrence, I didn't even ask you uh, which, which superhero yeah, do you want to be, man? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, your 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 talk of Peter Parker is not a bad idea. Now, then there's Batman, and then now you could be you could <laughs> your your Christian Bale voice. Where are they? You know, you do that. <laughs> But what about Deadpool, man? He's kind of a dick. Deadpool's I dope. appreciate Deadpool's his hilarious. attitude. So mm-hmm. like that's that's feel like that's more me. He's like you got indestructible. Deadpool yeah. Deadpool is fun. Yeah. He cracks the craziest jokes. Yeah, I feel like I'm not adult. You know, I'm more about the comedy than uh, any of that other stuff. So. <laughs> you got that? I mean, you got you got you got kids in the family, man. Deadpool's yeah. real. He's rated NC seventeen. Yeah, well, we're not we're not letting my soon to be uh, first grader wear, watch it, but uh, you know, <laughs> the wife and I can watch. <laughs> I like it. How about that? I still remember when I went to go see Deadpool, the the inappropriate jokes with kids in there. And it was just getting like awkward because they were, you could tell they were trying to figure out like, what is, what is this? What's that? And their parents are like looking around each other like, you didn't hear that. I mean, I remember I saw The Dark Knight at like 
I think it was like an 11 p.m. showing on opening night. Mm -hmm. And there was a family that brought a stroller in there. And I was like, I mean, I get like if your kids only get to sleep at certain times and you just got to do your shit. But like, come on, man. What do you like? Get the stroller. It's so loud. Come on, they they have have a dark night? For the kid? I don't know. It was dark. Oh, night I don't. Yeah, if it was dark night, what was that? Oh eight. I don't know yeah, if man. that trend it really kicked off. Nah, definitely yeah. not. Where you see the kids with the noise right. canceling headphones. Right. Also, Deadpool. They told you. He told you in the yeah, ad. Don't right bring away. your kids to the <laughs> to the movies. I'm looking like there's there's like five kids like two three rows in front of me spaced out with their parents. I'm like, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> Bro, like they, <laughs> the first the what was it the first twenty minutes. When he's in with um oh, with his girlfriend, uh Mareta <laughs> Baccarin, and she hits him with the happy uh happy International Women's Day, why would you bring your kids to that? Then you gotta explain exactly <laughs> what that meant. Cause then you know they're gonna ask questions. Man, we got I love it. You know, Scarlet Witch, Region Rev said Scarlet Witch, which means that she's trying to she's trying to F some shit up. Out here, <laughs> yeah. you saw go, Scarlet Witch and that it. multiverse of madness. Woo! You see it. And Greg, uh, Batman, I gotta choose Batman. Love his mansion and all of his gadgets he uses and his vehicles. Love his aura as well. No superpowers, but I heart Batman. Shout out Batman for Greg, sure. Greg, it sounds like you just want to be rich, which I can identify <laughs> with. Rich uh, with toys. It's true. It's true. Rich dude with toys. Sparks tonight. Join us on Twitter, wherever Twitter is, is mentioned. And again, we're going to say Twitter because that's what it is. So that's check it. us out at CHGO underscore Sky. Steven is on it. S- S- stay true. S.3. Steven, what you got coming down the pipeline? Uh, we got, I'm going to be having something in reaction to tonight's game for sure. Got to. And then some other stuff uh, looking at Elizabeth Williams. Uh, obviously, the space that Dana Evans is in. Um what Atlanta was doing before the injury. Uh, we hope she gets back soon, hopefully by Sunday potentially. Need her back. Need she will be back. needed for that game for sure. Also, Marina Mabry. She's in one of her better three-point shooting stretches of her career. Um, I think it was her seventh game on Sunday where she knocked down at least five threes. Yeah, that's over crazy. Over course of her career. Um, and there's a player, Sabrina Ionescu, who has done that numerous times in this season alone. Just letting you know the paradigm there. But, yeah, just kind of looking at those little things and then kind of looking at the rest of the schedule for them. That's going to be good. As always, check Steven's workout on allchgo.com. Again, the CHGO Die Hard sale is going on right now. Get that Die Hard membership at a reduced price for the next 48 hours. Only $60. You can dig in your pocket and come out with at least 100 right now. So I know you got 60 to spend. And when you put in for that Die Hard membership, you will get a free T-shirt. Also, all shirts and hats are available in the CHGO locker for $24 a piece. You can pick up that CHGO with the script bull shirt. You can pick up that CHGO sky shirt, which you've seen Steven and I wearing numerous times throughout the season and with that fantastic logo on it. Mm-hmm. The DraftKings tonight talked about, Greg talked about a 10-point win. The Sky are minus six and a half or plus six and a half at plus 380. So if they win by 10, you're, you're coming, you're breading up. So put your bets in at DraftKings. CHGO show is always presented by DraftKings. Use the code CHGO. $20 added to your account. This has been the CHGO Sky Show on CHGO Sports. I'm Chris. He's Steven. Lauren's behind the dials. Mm -hmm. Until next time, folks, be good. Keep your head above the clouds.